every single conversation we've had, I wanted to continue it. And so we're running behind time. I do apologize for those that, that uh, uh, we're not maintaining the schedule, but it's like every time we've talked to these folks, there's more to learn. Right. And I know that our talk is going to go a little longer. You were originally about 15 minutes mm-hmm. this morning. We changed the schedule because I felt like you and I had a lot to talk about. Right. Now, before you became the CFO of Reliance, which is a, a local-based truck insurance company, yes. one of the largest and fastest brokers, uh, insurance brokers in the country, um, but focused specifically on trucking. Trucking and logistics. And really um, brokerages as well. You have served as you were you were at a bank as a uh, an analyst, yep, BB&T, and then you actually had uh, a CFO role at Celadon. That's uh, right. Not- but you were in the, the job repairing the business and trying to get it right sized. That's uh, correct. Unfortunately, we're too late for that process. That's correct. So I uh, joined Celadon in the fall of seventeen after um, they already had a lot of. Uh, problems that were publicly known with an SEC investigation and that. So I was not the CFO that was criminally charged. Always like to make that decision. You're, you're after that. You were there right. to, to and, help and, the situation. And my CEO, his name was Paul, and his predecessor was Paul. So I always call my CEO P2. 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 So we're not here to talk about Celadon. We're here to talk about the market. One of the yep. things that I've known you for many years, and one of the things that is pretty remarkable about your sort of knowledge set is just how much you understand about the economy particularly the macro, and your favorite topic is money supply. <laughs> you and, and uh, Danielle uh, could have had just a filled day on the money supply. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about, let's nerd out on what the money supply is sure. and why is it important. Well, so I think there's a general sense uh, from talking to people, not only at the conference, but maybe in the last six or seven weeks, that it, it wasn't very good between May and August, but it kind of maybe had flatlined. And then post Labor Day, it feels like we've taken another step down. And so truckers, they're so busy, you know, managing freight, trying to get loads, everything. But it's easy to miss a couple of things. So one of the things that has happened is the money supply, known as M2, in the last 15 months is off 4.5%. Now, what does that mean? 4.5% doesn't sound like a large number. You know, somebody who gets a raise at work, they're hoping for 5 or 6. 4.5 sounds small. Well, if you go back... To 1870, there have only been five periods where the money supply shrunk more than 2%. And this is the second worst shrinkage in the money supply. Only the Great Depression in 1931 through 1933 saw uh, shrinkage in the money supply that's greater than that. So what does that mean for freight? Well, when the money supply is shrinking, that means banks are going to begin to be more cautious about lending. Certainly, the whole Silicon Valley bank failure in the spring uh, sent shockwaves through the system. But we saw, for example, in the third quarter that loan volumes for the first time in a couple of decades actually shrunk. So the hidden story, if you will, money supply shrinking, loans are beginning to contract. All of that is negative for freight creation. And I think that explains to some extent what's happened the last two or three months where it felt like we stabilized at a lower but disappointing level, and then boom, we fell again. And there's also some things happening with the consumer, but I'll, I'll uh, wait to share that. So shrinkage is bad. Shrinkage is bad. Because um, if, in an economy that grows over the long term, you need more money. And I don't mean money printed by the government, but as corporations have productivity, they invent products, sales occur, m- 
there's money and there's velocity that naturally enter into the U.S. economy. Why is it, if it's bad, why is it happening? Well, for one thing, uh, the money supply exploded during the pandemic. Uh, it was up between 35 and 40 percent. The Fed acted as a backstop. So they're trying to bring some of that liquidity out as part of their Seems efforts. Seems like a good thing, doesn't it? Yes, but whenever the money supply shrinks, it, it, it's not as good as it sounds. Uh, and no, right I mean, now, I mean, I mean, well, M2 right now is at a point where it's at the level of nominal GDP growth. So money supply typically grows not so much at GDP rate, but at or above nominal GDP. So when it's not keeping up, then economic activity is going to be curtailed. Ultimately. But, but if but, you know, it strikes me as if if, if freight demand or volume expands because the money supply is increasing, yep. then wouldn't you argue that we should have an ever-expanding supply of money so that well, we could all have all sorts of freight? Right. Why, is that a, why, would that, why does that not make sense? We, we should over the long term, but um, it, you can kind of get into a situation which is causing which. Is the money supply causing the freight? which I think it is over the last six months. Um, the lack of money supply. The lack shrinking of money supply shrinking is money shrinking supply. the amount of freight out there. Yes. Well, I, th I think it's shrinking economic activity. And so, for example, third quarter GDP grew over 4%, which surprised some people. But I heard uh, the lady from Q1 talk about she thinks a recession began in October. I don't fixate as much on GDP recessions. I focus probably more on freight recovery freight recessions. And you and I uh, have been in agreement that sometime in the first quarter of last year, the market's vital signs rolled over, probably even before Ukraine, and then became much more obvious thereafter. Uh, but the story of this year is the shrinking money supply, the shrinking loan base. That is probably going to stay in place into the second quarter of next year. But consumers are also fighting a headwind. So I just got these numbers last night. So I was asked by someone in the audience uh, yesterday, well, you know, the consumer's been so resilient. Well, so for example, uh, loan defaults are beginning to grow. So the third quarter, we saw a 57% jump in loan defaults um, uh, for uh, automobiles. And we saw a 25% delinquency rate in home mortgages. These are big, big numbers. Um, so about, um, I forgot the exact number, but th these are big trends. So that also makes the banks more cautious because now uh, delinquencies and default rates are beginning to rise on a whole uh, variety of uh, categories of loans. So um, our earlier guest that you referenced, uh, Daniel DiMartina, um, talked about the fact that a lot of her sort of views of the market is that consumer st or stimulus that was not monetary stimulus, yep. but more fiscal stimulus from the government was driving a lot of the excesses during yes. the COVID economy and things like employee retention credits and, and all of that has rolled off the economy. Some of the sort of welfare right. public assistance has rolled off. That's what's causing these weird sort of first quarter January surge we saw or the yep. January sort of fake, you know, fake uh, 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 increase. I heard to talk about that. In the summer. The SNAP program. The SNAP program roll-off. We saw that in food. 
how much can I reconcile between your arguments around money supply and her arguments around stimulus, fiscal stimulus, or is it the both at the same time? Can both of you be right and this be bad for everybody? Well, it's a real dilemma for the Fed because uh, inflation is still running too high, so they need to get some of the liquidity out of the system. If you go back to the 1970s, which I know maybe is ancient history for some, but the before Paul Volcker became the Fed chief in 1979, and he gets credit along with uh, the supply-side tax cuts for helping conquer inflation, but it's not like the Fed wasn't raising interest rates before. Volcker's predecessor raised interest rates from 5% to about 11%. And then Volcker took it, you know, into the upper teens. But the, his predecessor did not address getting liquidity out of the system, which is critical to conquering inflation. So we're going to be in a painful period for a while because the Fed has to conquer that. If they don't conquer the inflation, which is the money supply has to shrink. I don't think it has to shrink for the next two or three years. That's the mistake they made in the Great Depression. But it probably will shrink in the next spring, and then I start to become a little bit more optimistic on the second half of next year. Okay, so you're, you're suggesting that the slowdown in the freight market and volume is, is, is monetary-driven. Danielle suggested it's fiscal-driven. Uh, we, we have two problems here yes. causing compounding impacts. You believe that we should be through the money problem, short-term money problems, like let's agree that, that printing indefinite amounts of right. money and creating the money supply is a long-term problem, but that's not going to change quickly. You're arguing that in the second half of next year that we should have a more stable money supply, right? Is right. that the way to think of it? Uh, yes, I do. Stability uh, is a Based term. upon current trends, I believe that will happen. And for example, let's talk about housing. Um, I only caught part of her comments about that. So I've been pretty bearish on housing for um, probably two years. And uh, there's two components to housing, existing home sales and new housing starts or the building of brand new homes. And we have this weird tension in the marketplace. And if you're trying to buy a home or sell a home, you know some of these oddities. But so existing home sales have been negative now for 27 months. That's two and a quarter years. As we look ahead to where the supply is in that, I think existing home sales are going to turn positive either in the second quarter or early. Because of the comps, right? Yeah, because of comps. Over your comps. But we're already two-plus two years into easy comps. So I went back and looked at the correction in existing home sales as a result of the GFC, the great financial crisis or the housing crisis. So existing home sales fell 41%. And right now, existing home sales over the last 27 months are down 40%. Mm. We're not going to get much worse. That was the mother of all mortgage corrections. Now, housing starts collapsed. They went from 2.1 million units to 554,000. Uh, back in uh, okay. 08, 09, they, they collapsed 74% starts. But existing home sales fell about 41%. Mm. And so we're already at 40 so uh, we already know there's a shortage of supply. Think about it. So median home prices had started to correct earlier this year, mm -hmm. and they were down for five months in a row. But because supply is so strong, the last three months, median home prices have begun to rise again. There's such a shortage. And so in the latest month, existing homes, or excuse me, housing starts also grew uh, and surprised the marketplace a few weeks ago. So w there's this tension, not enough supply. 
the mortgage system is not sick like it was 15 years ago. Bank standards, reserves against mortgage debt, they're, they're in a pretty healthy place. So I think housing will actually end up being a little bit of a help freight creation in the second half of next year. So if existing home sales bottom out around 3.9 to 4 million, which is about where they're at, and they grow at a pace of 4.2, 4.3 in the second half of next year, that begins to signal growth. So one of the other things that you brought up this morning, and I'm not asking you to rebuttal or, sure. or do it, but it's interesting topics, um, was about auto production. And one of the things that I think is interesting is this, this whole idea of the strike. We've seen the yep. auto companies have retooled towards EVs. Those aren't selling very well. Yep. Um, the auto demand because of auto rates are, are certainly more expensive to finance an auto. is starting to slow. Consumer demand of automobiles is really, really being impacted. The question I have for you, Tom, is how much can we expect some of the key – and auto is, what, 8% of the freight market? Yeah, you, so, somewhere around there. Yeah. So it's a huge – Part of it. If we, if we are past sort of peak auto demand or production, mm-hmm. we'll call it, um, housing certainly not going to ha- surge back even right. in the second half as long as mortgage rates stay as high they are. What do you think the prospects of a true freight recovery really are? Yes, the money supply can improve, right. but there are other challenges in the market. Well, I don't think we're going to be using the word robust anytime on the demand side of things. Now, if if we have our second winter in a row of a winter of discontent for the motor carrier community, which was a term I used with you last year, then supply is going to be in an interesting place that might start to have trucking feel a little healthier, healthier than the underlying economy. Trucking's so funny because it, it often zigs and the economy's zagging. And so, for example, like over the last year and a half, the economy's grown. Industrial production grew until a couple of quarters ago. Um, and yet you would have thought we were in a depression based upon the trucking anecdotes of the last. But, but isn't that because we have too much capacity? We do have too much capacity. But the second winter in a row where contract rates get lo- uh, lowered, the economic uh, output, or uh, it, it's just going to continue to it, this step down that we saw, call it after September 15th is going to continue to probably be lower versus the baseline that had been established before that. that. We'll see capacity continue to turn out. Yes. At some point, next second half of next year, we should see some level of freight recovery. Yep. And so at some point, this market gets to a point of reset. Do you have any sort of view when, if I'm a carrier, Mm -hmm. when can I expect to start to feel like, because I don't actually care about volume numbers, and I don't care about the number of trucks. I care about the combination of those two numbers. Sure. I think well, oftentimes everyone gets caught up in sort of obsessing over one or the other. And, yep. and, and look, you need context, um, but I need a balance. When do we, in your view, end up in a balanced situation? I think the vital signs will be a little bit more consistently green or pointing in the right direction somewhere in summer of next year. So we, you're, you're more bullish than, than I have been. Where I've been negative all along, though. Oh, I know, I know, I know, no, no. To be clear, okay. you and I have been aligned on our negativity. Yes. <laughs> um, I, 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 I these days have a slightly bigger microphone than you do, so people <laughs> have made me into uh, sort of the doomsday guy. Um, also, really good headlines around the bloodbath certainly didn't right. help my case. But 
the reality is that you you have been negative and you you've been constructively negative about the conditions in the market. But you're you're actually uh, suggesting that the turnaround in the market for at least how how we sort of the sentiment in the market for how carriers feel about it is earlier than what I I have come out and said. Um, that's good news. And we need good news today. This is the end of the show, and we don't need bad news. We have a lot of really conversations today. Well, I don't want the audience to walk out and uh, need Prozac. Uh, Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, but but let me, I uh, misspoke on a couple of statistics, but I was reviewing these this morning. So credit card delinquencies in the second quarter were about 3.7% of all credit card balances. They jumped 57% in the third quarter to 5.8%. That's a big jump. Auto loans went from delinquent rates of 2% to 25 That's a 25% increase. And these are sequential. So it's not a year-over-year number. The numbers are even more dramatic year-over-year. And then even mortgages, the delinquency rate jumped 44% from the June quarter to September. Consumers are stretched. This is going to be a drag into, if not all the way through the second quarter, that means the, the capacity purge that, and I've got a couple of numbers to share on that in a moment, but I think it's going to be a second winter of discontent. I think there will be more failures than the market is able to track. You've talked about bankruptcies. Um, at Reliance, we have the largest market share of fleets between one and 20 trucks and 21 and 100. Now, it's not an either or. We can only do small at the expense of large. We have some customers with a thousand trucks as well. But we have seen over 20% of our customer base cease operating this year uh, with an average truck size of four or five units. Uh, Sometimes it's closer to seven, depending on when you're running the numbers. But that's the hardest part of the market to see, the micro end of the market. Mm -hmm. And so I share that. Now, our our, uh, premiums have not shrunk because uh, a lot of our producers have written bigger lines of business. And we've gone out and replaced some of those customers that have went out. But we track that very closely. That's the hardest part. I'm telling you, there's more consolidation going on at that end of the market than people are able to see when it's a seven truck unit or a 21 truck or 43 or two truck. We see it every day. It's so been just, brutal. So time. truck stops shared some data would be not public. Uh, at least they haven't made it public at this moment in time. But they said in their analysis on load board participants that have churned out of their network was two common things they saw. One was they bought into the market at when the when truck prices were at peak. No shock there. Right. You're paying $140,000 for a truck that would have cost $40,000 pre-COVID. You got stuck. And you, you, you locked in that high, high cost at a time when, when uh, uh, the market has... Um, uh, the market has has been challenged. Um, the other thing that they pointed out was that it's carriers that are new, yeah. under six months or under a year, are turning out. And what they said, their analysis demonstrated, and this is not, we've talked about a lot about low board fraud, this is not specifically about that, was that these carriers, because of fraud, mm. were not able, if that MC number was a sort of recent born-on date, we're not able to get brokers to touch it because right. of the, the issues. That's where they're seeing the churnout. Is new participants in the market, they gone out and bought a new truck, either at the peak or are newly minted and can get access to broker freight. Um, I, I would imagine you guys are probably seeing very similar Yeah, we, a lot of our younger producers, uh, 
focused on startup fleets in second half of 2021, early 2022. A lot of them have recognized that the insurance markets are a little queasy about it, not to mention the freight brokers. So they've tried to focus on uh, entities that have been in business at least two or three years. So we've shifted our emphasis away from that because of those risks that you described. Let me, I, I know we're short on time here, but let me, let me just clarify. So when I talk about the vital signs being a little bit more green, kind of mid-year next year, and it, listen, I may be wrong as all get out, but the fact is um, you don't come to these to at least not hear a pointed opinion or two. Uh, and I believe somewhere between May and July that based upon the number of drivers that we are seeing exit the, the marketplace, and we don't have time to go into all of that, that the market will be inching near equilibrium then. And the feelings in the marketplace will be a, a certainly better, but there won't be rate power on the contract basis till 2025. Well, Tom, unfortunately, we don't have more time. I do appreciate your uh, coming here to talk about things, lots to talk about. Um, thank you so much. Thank we'll you. Appreciate it, Craig. Thank you.